Hi guys, welcome to the Labrador Energy Podcast. This is another episode here and it's actually with somebody that you might already know. So you might remember this particular person from the Pokemon episode. The Pokemon <laughs> episode where we talked about designing Pokemon toys and all that kind of wonderful Pokemon related stuff. Uh, we decided to kind of split this in a, partic- in a, in a separate podcast because uh, it's just so much in such a different topic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have Molly here. And Molly, I wanted to ask you, what are we going to talk about now? Um, so in this segment, we're talking about love, sexuality, polyamory, and um, all of the different things wrapped up in that. Okay, so you are polyamorous. I am, yeah. I've been polyamorous for about three years now. Okay, three years, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so what, did, what does that mean for those of us that uh, are not very familiar with the subject? Yeah, so polyamory literally breaks down to me to mean um, like multiple loves. And it is similar to ethical non-monogamy, but it's a, there's lots of different kinds of ethical non-monogamy, but polyamory specifically is when you are um, seeking to have loving intimate relationships with more than one person. Okay, so let's go back to ethical non-monogamy. So monogamy is when you're dating one person, you have the traditional relationship kind of model, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, what is ethical non-monogamy? So ethical non-monogamy is when you and your partner or partners have decided, um, you've made an agreement, it's fully consensual that you are going to have an open relationship or one of you is going to date other people or maybe you're just sleeping with other mm-hmm. people. Maybe you're just making out with other people. It, it, that ethical non-monogamy is such a large umbrella because it just means that you are consenting to um, to not be fully monogamous with one person. Right. So, like, uh, would it be accurate of me to say it's like you're, it's taken away the lying aspect? Absolutely. Like, there's yeah. no cheating. Right. Because everybody but knows what's happening. You, I mean, there are people who unfortunately label themselves ethically non monogamous, mm-hmm. and they've, yes, they've talked to their partner, but their partner may not be comfortable with that. Right. That, that's not ethical non-monogamy because it has to be an agreement between two people. Right, so you're doing it's it. not just about telling the other person. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. how does friends with benefits kind of fall within that? Um. It, yeah. If you're if you're seeing multiple people. Right. But um, like it, you have to ha- have that conversation. Mm-hmm. So the conversation has to take place. Has to take place. I think it's very important for it to for it to be truly consensual ethical non-monogamy. Yeah, okay. it's agreed upon between the people in the situation. So this would also be like open marriages, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's ethical non-monogamy. Open marriages, open relationships, mm-hmm. friends with benefits, mm-hmm. and anything. Yeah, um, it's a pretty wide umbrella. The okay. swingers, swingers, swingers are okay. also under the ethical non-monogamy. Okay, so basically mm-hmm. this is just kind of taking the, again the the guilty aspect out of the whole kind of like the cheating aspect. Traditionally, you know, a lot of yeah, marriages, yeah. marriages fall apart, or the relationship fall apart because somebody ends up cheating. Right, okay. right. But there's there's so much going on underlying the cheating that's not. Right. Okay, so let's yeah. kind of explore this. So, uh, you know, I don't know if people might not remember from the previous podcast, but if you, you know, if you do, that's great. But the idea is you still come from a somewhat traditional background, right? Mm-hmm. I do. So I grew up in West Texas, in Midland, Texas, and um, I grew up in a, a fairly religious family. I went to a religious school, and so I've had a lot of coming outs in my life. Mm-hmm. I've actually had three different coming outs. First as atheist when I was like 17, then accidentally came out as bisexual on uh, Facebook. I 
accidentally shared an Instagram post because my Instagram was private and personal and put that on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so that was some fun drama to go through. Was with it my like family. a picture? Was it like a hashtag or a picture? Yeah. So I was actually like the lead organizer of our LB LGBT group on campus mm -hmm. at our university. And mm -hmm. I posted like happy coming out day, like bisexual and like accidentally shared it to Facebook as well. And so I got a, I got a very upset call from my mother. Your Christian mother. Yeah. It was more about her being upset that I talked about it first online instead of having a conversation with her. Right. So, um, and then my third coming out has actually been as polyamorous. That's the most recent thing. And it has been strange because I thought that was going to be the one that my parents like really wouldn't care about, mm. but, um, it's opened up a can of worms that I didn't quite expect. So now I've had to, like I've tried to introduce, you know, my parents to one of my partners and my my father refused to meet him. Oh really? Because, yeah, yeah because um, my one of my closest partners is married with a kid. Right. And he sees that as just like, um, not currently forgivable. Right, so, this is your father, yeah? Mm -hmm. My mom um, actually did meet that partner. Mm -hmm. She didn't talk to him a whole lot <laughs> during that whole interaction, so that was a little awkward. But I think um, my mom is really good about taking time to process things, right. and I think that she's still taking time to process it. And I told her three years ago that I was poly, and I kind of think she thought, like, oh, she'll outgrow this. Right. Like, she'll, she'll find one man and eventually get married. And right, right. even if I do choose to get married, like, I cannot ever see myself having a closed relationship. Okay. Um, I just, like, I, I have so much love to give, and I really enjoy the diversity um, that it brings to my life by having multiple partners. Like, just right now, um, I'm seeing five different people one of them um, works in construction and is a major geek and nerd, and we nerd out over D&D &D and stuff like that. Another, Dungeons and Dragons, for those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one is a comedy photographer in LA, very talented, so that opens me up to a whole different scene. Right. Another one works in um, like maintaining air conditioning systems, so okay. he's got more of a blue-collar job, and he's very hands-on. and. Uh, and then the last one works in esports, so he esports. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's okay, a cool. he's a producer for um, a lot of the big like tournaments and stuff that right. get put on. Okay, so I want to kind of kind of start digging into that. But mm. first, what I want to ask is, have you tried traditional monogamous relationships? Oh, absolutely. I um, I've always had very serious long-term boyfriends. Right. So from the time I was seventeen, back to back, I've always been in two or three-year-long relationships. Okay. And so with the last boyfriend where that ended, it was in college, I, uh, I was actually moving to Australia for the internship that I talked about before. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, I was like, I'm gonna Tinder the fuck out of this country. Right. Um, yes. and, <laughs> and it was so fun, because it was the first time that I'd like dated before. Every, prior, I'd always had a really close guy friend and then it turned into a relationship. Right. So we always had this intimacy that blossomed into more. Um, so you overcame the friend zone. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got to experience so many different kinds of people. And um, one of the early people that I started dating was this woman. I was also very much getting to explore my bisexuality there as well. This is and in Australia. This is in Australia. Okay. And she was just like, yeah, so I'm Polly and this is my life and this is my partner. And 
I don't know. I just had this moment of like, yeah, me too. So this was yeah. in Australia then. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. this is where the, the first started. So you were, but you were, you ended the relationship in the U.S. Uh, yeah. So when we graduated college, mm -hmm. we um, decided, you know, things weren't going to continue. Right. And so I moved to to Australia and just opened myself up to like so many different people and possibilities. Mm -hmm. And after she you know, told me about polyamory, I just had this, I was like, yes, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, it's funny because I'm still even trying to understand my own bisexuality. Am I bisexual? Am I bi-romantic? But with polyamory, it was like, that's me. Right. I identify with this, with the ability to love multiple people and also um, accept my partners loving other people. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually called compersion. Compersion. Compersion, yeah. Okay. So when you feel a, like a genuine sense of joy that your partner loves somebody else or is spending intimate, wonderful time with somebody else right. and you're happy for them, right. that's compersion. Okay. Mm -hmm. The comedian in me would want to say like, yeah, I've got a friend, he's Persian, and when he comes, it's called compersion. <laughs> Giggles, right, oh, sorry, I couldn't yeah. let that go. It's <laughs> pretty good. But guys, we're learning compersion. That's yeah, what it you is, can right? take that to your next act. Yeah. So when you're happy for somebody else, having like an intimate relationship, mm -hmm. uh, emotional, romantic relationship. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I've learned something new today. Yeah. I'll teach you another word. Oh my God! I hope it's Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, your your partner's partners right. are, are your metamors. Metamors. Mm -hmm. So my boyfriend's wife is my metamor, and I have okay. a relationship with my metamor, like a, a, a really close friendship. Right. That's okay. really beautiful. Okay. So but this, yeah. that's non-sexual. Is it sexual, or how does that work? Um, with her, it's non-sexual. Right. We we did have a night where we made out after mm -hmm. we were hanging out one time, right, right. but um, the chemistry with us just isn't you know what we're looking for it mm -hmm. to be. So. I just have a really close relationship with her husband. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the, they have a child together, right? They do, yeah. So they have a five-year-old little boy, mm -hmm. and um, their situation is really interesting because I think that they come from an even more conservative family than mm -hmm. I do. They live in Los Angeles, but his family is very Jewish, mm -hmm. and um, they are not out to their family. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but they've got a five-year-old, mm -hmm. and their five-year-old, you know, knows me, loves me. I bring him toys all the right. time. Like at some point, he's gonna realize that his parents have other partners. Right. So they don't he's know. gonna connect the so dots. So the wife as well has other partners. Mm -hmm. Everybody's polyamorous, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's like the child, like it's Auntie Molly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, my dad is sleeping with his auntie. And like, you know, there there was some early on in the relationship of like. He wasn't quite sure how he felt about me sleeping over and the kid seeing, you know, me there in the morning. But right. I think he, yeah, I've told him like, you gotta, yes. like, it's gonna, he's gonna know. Like, you like pancakes? I'm making pancakes, bro. You want to jump on this pancake trade, or you don't get any pancakes? Exactly. <laughs> you know? So I think it'll be interesting, though. Um, even if at some point we end up not continuing our relationship, right. he's somebody that I love so dearly, right, right, right. and I am very certain that we'll stay very good friends. And I am so excited to see this little boy grow up and. Right. Um, yeah, just see how he navigates life having poly parents. I mean, I'm very curious. Like, let's talk about logistics. My mind mm. is like, uh, okay, so you're sleeping over. Yeah. Like, where where do you sleep? Do you sleep on the same bed as the both of them? Does um, somebody sleep on the couch? Or like, yeah. is there a second bedroom? I'm just, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just normal. So questions. a lot of the time, like married poly couples sort of like 
choose certain days. Um, this is just my experience. I'm, yeah, yeah, I yeah. myself am not a married part of a married poly couple. Right. But they'll choose like, okay, Wednesday nights and Saturday nights are our date nights with other people. Right. And then like they'll work out like, okay, it's your turn to bring your partner home and I'll go to my partner's house. Oh, okay. That's very yeah. convenient. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, we'll sometimes work that out. But then there's other times where like, you know, I was at like a New Year's Eve party or something with them all and, you know, his wife fell asleep and we just slept on the couch oh, okay. instead of like me going home at like 5 a.m. after right, we've right, right, been right, right. having a good time. So. Right, okay. Okay, yeah. that's, I mean, it seems like, you know, there's, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Mm -hmm. There's always, there's lots of negotiating and mm -hmm. so much communication. That's, that's really the cornerstone of, of building a polyamorous mm -hmm. relationship or even just ethical non-monogamy right. is communication. And I think that that's honestly the, the thing that breaks down most marriages is mm -hmm. a lack of communication. Right. And with polyamory, like you have to communicate. Right. And so I think that we end up with really healthy, loving relationships because we're talking to each other. Okay. Uh, and how do you meet all the people? Is it like for dating apps? Is it for social interactions? Yeah, so I, I use a lot of dating apps. Um, two of the really good ones that I found for polyamory, at least in Los Angeles, are OkCupid mm -hmm. and um, Field. Field right. is a, an app for like threesome, kink, and yeah, poly. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I downloaded it a while back, but I haven't mm. really checked it. It's a fun one. I've uh, met, uh, I think, like all of my favorite people in right. my life off of Field. I think it's not that big in Europe yet. I, I like I opened it here right. for about five minutes, right. but I've I've just been so busy right, 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 being right. in Berlin, so I haven't okay. had time. Uh, there was one a while back called Trinder, no something. Oh, it uh, that's Field. They oh. had they got sued and had to change the name. Well, that sounds about right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, but so that's how I originally, when I moved to Los Angeles again, was meeting people and you know starting these relationships. And now, like I always like to joke that I've all my friends but most of the people that are in my friend circle like we dated for a little bit mm -hmm. and then just decided that our chemistry as friends was better um, but like if I chose to date you for a period of time we had some sort of connection and right. like I don't see why you can't continue to keep that person in your life right, right. so half my D&D &D group that I DM for um, are all people I've I've slept with. What is DM? <laughs> uh, it just means the dungeon master. Gotcha. So, so for D and D, yeah. Dungeon some, master. Some hey. nerdy uh, yeah. references. There's just gotta... the the poly community in Los Angeles is funny. There there's a lot of cosplayers and people who mm -hmm. love Dungeons and Dragons and just yeah, really nerdy stuff. Like the cosplay that. in LA is like off the chain. It's wild. A so friend wild. of mine has a cosplayer there, and they're like everybody is like in amazing shape. Yeah. They're like super built and they're like, you know, and League build, of Legends or whatever. They build so. all their own stuff. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's literally like, a, it's, like it's, it's, it's pretty impressive to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, let's kind of, so you find, every, so in this situation, you don't have to have the polyamorous conversation over and over again, right? Yeah, in that, in that sense, I don't have to. I've had some wild situations where I've met men in real life and have had to explain being polyamorous. And I've, I've had some people who are disgusted by it. I've had some men who just like, are like, oh, so it's just orgies all the time, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I, don't, I mean, it can be, but that's not the point. I, I think you're missing like, it. Is it though? Because I think orgy sounds like a lot of coordination. 
it, yeah, it is. Those that scene overlaps the polyamory scene and like the play party scene, right, right. but they are not the same scene. Because I was gonna say like a lot of people can kind of because you know the swinger scene, right? Yes. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of overlap there. Mm -hmm. Swinging is interesting because you, I always find that to be such a delicate balance right. when I meet swingers. I'm like, okay, because they've decided like, okay, we are going to have our relationship and you can have sex with other people mm -hmm. and we can do that together. But there's usually that rule of you're not allowed to fall in love with anybody else. Right, okay. And I just, I always find that a little dangerous and it always makes me like, when I meet swingers, I'm I would be a little bit hesitant to like mm. to date them or have a, any kind of relationship right. because there's already these rules in place of like you cannot have emotions for other people. Right. Okay. And I I'm the kind of person that like I want to start from the beginning that we all agree that it's okay to love other people. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. That compersion we talked about. Right. So in that situation, you can say that. You love all your partners, all your four partners, or all your five partners. Um, so you know, love takes time to yeah, develop, yeah, yeah. and so one of my partners I love very dearly, mm -hmm. the the one who's married. Right. Um, there's one or two other guys that I kind of maybe mm -hmm. see mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that could be building. Right, 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 right. But we're still we've only been dating for like three months. I think I dated started dating them around the same time. Right. So the other people as well, how many, do you know how many people, that, do you guys talk about like, okay, I'm dating five people, you're dating mm -hmm. five people, is it like super open conversation or yeah. like, it's kind of like a don't ask, don't tell situation? I don't like the don't ask, don't tell. There, right. there are people who conduct their poly relationships with the understanding of like, okay, we are seeing other people, right. but I don't want to hear about it. Right, right, right. Which I don't think is that healthy. I mean, everybody, what works, if it works for you, mm -hmm. it works for you. But I think that being open and honest and learning to have those conversations and then also breaking down why am I afraid to have that conversation right in there and there's I'm not perfect by any means there's so many moments where you know my partner will be openly talking about this amazing date he went on um, with one of his girlfriends and I'll, I'll get that there's a little bit of that anxiety mm. and there's a lot of then unpacking that and saying okay why why am I feeling this way? What is it about me that's not feeling fulfilled? Right. And is it my partner or is this something internal? And most of the time it's something internal. Right, so the anxiety, would you say it's jealousy or? Um, I think sometimes it can be jealousy. It really just depends mm. on the situation. I've had a really strange experience where with my partner who's married, mm -hmm. I don't feel jealous about his wife. Right. But I'll feel jealous about his girlfriends, right? Which is a strange dynamic. Do you know all the other girlfriends, or how mm -hmm. did that dynamic? You guys meet over like brunch or something? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, know. like you certainly don't have to meet your yeah, metamors, yeah, yeah. but I love the idea of just like let's all just go have you know lunch together. Right. I think that that's really fun. Uh, but I think what it what I have been able to unpack there is that I understand that his wife is like. An installment in his life mm -hmm. and she there's like so much time that's taken up there like an anchor mm. Mm -hmm. and then his other girlfriends I think that there's there's a little bit of this nervousness with me of like there's only so much more time that he has to a lot and I want I want a big chunk of that time right yeah and so I think that I sometimes there's that fear mm -hmm. of like am I getting enough time but then then what I have to look at is 
do I just want more love and affection? Right. And if I can't necessarily get it from him, I can be seeking, because I'm poly, I can seek that out with my other partners. So how does that work, let's say, look at logistic-wise? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like you meet once a week, once a month, once it's, every two months, yeah, it's two just, times a week? It's up to like each of your relationships. Right. So with the partner who's married, um, we see each other once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. And then the other guys that I'm seeing, it may be once a week or every other week. Kind of just depends on our schedules and what we've right. gone on. And sometimes I'll see, you know, one partner like all weekend. We'll just we'll go spend all this time together. Um, and just to kind of like uh, again, these meetings are like just a brunch. Doesn't have to all, doesn't have to actually all be sexual, right? Oh, absolutely not. Right. Because again, it's it's about relationships. There's. I know there's plenty of polyamorous right. people who are asexual. Like they they have their romantic relationships, but sex may not be a part of it. Right. Okay. That's I actually I actually have a polyamorous friend whose wife is asexual, and so yeah, I don't. I've had lots of questions I've wanted to ask about their dynamic. I wanted to ask that as well. So how does that work when you're mm -hmm. asexual? So asexual means you're not. You don't. Um, you don't necessarily experience a sexual attraction. You mm -hmm. may still enjoy sex but yeah and I, i'm not the best person to speak on asexuality because i only have a few friends who are but um there's there's just amazingly so many different ends of the spectrum right. with sexuality polyamory ethical non-monogamy but i think it's so important to talk about these things mm. because we the more we normalize these terms um the more comfortable we can be with this diversity. No, I think it's all about education as well. And I think mm -hmm. like, especially for, for my particular audience tends to be more Central Eastern European. Everybody's gonna be like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, not the case probably. <laughs> if anything, send me a message. But the idea is I think a lot of people, at least from my experience, when you talk about uh, polyamory or non-ethical, uh, sorry, ethical, okay. yeah. <laughs> ethical uh, monogamy, a lot of people just tend to oversimplify it to like the sex side, right? Right. So you're yeah. like, oh yeah, you, like you said those guys, like, you know, you're just having massive orgies and stuff. Right, right. right. So. Uh, no, it's, we're having Christmas parties, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I love so much when like all of our part, okay. This one time, so, well, you did ask me a question about um, how I meet people, and yes, dating apps yeah. are a big part of that, but we, most cities have a polyamory, um, like, reoccurring meetup group. That's right. actually how I've met a lot of the people um, that I have just spent my week with here in Berlin as mm -hmm. I went to the international poly meetup and met just some wonderful individuals. And... Um, so there, we have a group that we go to in Los Angeles mm -hmm. that's like a bi-monthly thing. And this one time, it was still early on in my relationship with my partner who's married, right. but um, it, he was out of town and it was me and his wife that went to the poly meetup and his other girlfriend was there too. Okay. And so there we were like taking selfies together and sending it to him. And okay. he was like, my anxiety was so bad in that moment. Because <laughs> he was like, like, are you talking about me? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were Sharing all, tips right? and tricks. Yeah. But we, no, we were all just sitting around the table being like, he's so wonderful. We all love him so much. You know. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. Pretty cool. Just okay. like having beers together as three girls. Right, right. That's, again, this is like very, uh, very interesting. Because like I, it's, a lot of people just tend to, I think, and I, even for myself, I think to some degree, I, I just think that, oh, there's probably some conflict happening there. Mm. You know, because like it's so much the ownership aspects, right? Mm, mm -hmm. Okay. 
Uh, oh, another logistic uh, question. Okay. All these meetups in the community, does it tend to be predominantly white people, black people, Asian people from a racial perspective? I think there's a, well, in Los Angeles, because mm -hmm. it's such a melting pot, there's so many um, different ethnicities. Right. But it's been really cool. Like, I've been following a couple of, like, hashtags mm -hmm. on Instagram, and there's actually a huge poly community for black people mm -hmm. in the U.S. that I just, like, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Right, right, right. Um, but I think it's so cool that they have such a huge um, social presence online. Because right. yeah. some cultures tend to be generally more monogamous, right? So yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, I think it has to do with your religion. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, you know, when I was in Japan, one of the big things about Japanese culture is that a lot of the, you know, the marriage, the marriage element is, is very important to, mm. uh, to the, fam the family element, right? Right, but right. But then, you know, I was working within different kinds of people and they kept telling me that, you know, they were basically cheating on their wives or whatever. And it's normal. And just, just generally like, uh, yeah. uh, what's the word? Just generally, um, infidelity is a big thing in Japan. Mm -hmm. But like nobody talks about it. It's like rampant. Oh, wow. But that was very interesting. Because mm -hmm. people don't talk about it, but it's happening. Like right. It's, it's just so wild, too, like when, when we are taught to be so silent about things, yeah, how yeah. many problems it can cause in our life. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. So, uh, okay, so far, so far, so good, yeah? Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk a bit more about, uh, you mentioned a couple other things that you wanted to kind of jump in here. Uh, and um, it's a four-letter word, and the word is rape. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, I get um, it. Yeah. You, you mentioned you wanted to kind of, it helped you come to the place where you are in terms of that. Uh, right. Just opening and growing out of it, right? Right. So, you know, I've talked a lot about how I think it's so important to speak about different topics. Yeah. Like, I was just having lunch with a friend today, and she posed the question, you know, it's 2019. Do we even need to come out about all oh, these different things? Definitely. And I said, uh, in my opinion, if you're comfortable doing it, we should always be having these conversations because the more we talk about this kind of stuff, the more normal it is for people to understand these experiences. And growing up in Texas, like, um, or just all over the world, I think that people are still uncomfortable hearing your rape stories. And like, the the thing with me is like, on a first date, I don't give a shit. I'll tell you anything. Right, right. Like, I'll tell you where I'm from. I'll tell you like how I grew up. Like my rapes, my polyamory, my, right. you know, atheism, like, I'm an open book. Right. Um, I, just to kind of put it into context, so this particular situation episode in your life happened before the polyamory elements, right? Yeah, it, okay. it did. Um, this... And again, we were kind of laughing about this at the beginning because yeah. I was like, okay, uh, so are we talking like violent rape or are we talking about fall asleep rape? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of, again, it's pretty crazy to kind of put that in the it's, community context, but you know, the... the if you don't sweep it under the rug, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's a lump in your really life, right? important to talk about like how I think so many people have this idea that rape is something that happens in a back alley, mm -hmm. you know, from a stranger. And right. most of the time it's not. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it's somebody that you know or mm -hmm. like a friend you've been spending time with. And right. so many of the sexual, I, I honestly, I don't have a friend that I know that hasn't been raped. Really? Both of my roommates have been raped. Um, all of the girls that I date, like we all talk about our rape stories. Yeah, okay. it's it is so pr prominent. Like, just, and this it's is a bit insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, okay. and I think that we we need to be sharing. A lot of my girlfriends are like, "Oh no, I don't really talk about it with my dates," and I'm like, "You should. You mm -hmm. need to tell your boyfriends and your brothers and your fathers and whoever else 
that this is happening right. because there's not enough like male to male policing. Yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. And this is what this is what the whole kind of Bill Cosby thing, right? Because like mm-hmm. basically the one that I don't know if you're familiar with Hannibal Buress. Mm-hmm. He's the comedian that kind of started talking about it on stage, and they're yeah. like, you know, Bill Cosby sending me, calling me after the show to say you're not, you shouldn't say mean things, on, you shouldn't say like nasty yeah. things on stage. And I'm like, yo, why should I take advice from you? You're a fucking rapist. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's the crazy thing is, is that I so the the first time I was raped was by like a friend mm-hmm. of um, in a fraternity. I so. When I was still in school for engineering, I was in a sorority and like I was just I was in a new state and I was so eager mm-hmm. to make friends and I make friends a lot easier with men and so I was spending a lot of time with these fraternity guys and I got really drunk one night and was like talking to one guy I think he was German actually mm-hmm. and then I don't know what happened next but I ended up with somebody else like in in his bedroom and I. I was pretty intoxicated. Right. I don't remember much besides just like crying so hard while it was happening. Oh, okay. And then the next wor- morning, like waking up with like bruises and all that kind of stuff. And then having to do like the walk of shame home. And it, it was so strange because I didn't even, the idea that I had been raped didn't even come to my mind for right. months later. I couldn't eat. Like I wasn't going to class. Um, and it drove me to like into just such a depression that I left that school because right. it was such a toxic, horrible place to still be in when I still didn't even understand and what had happened. And you were like 18. Yeah, right. yeah, I was 18. Um, and that's actually what set my life in a completely different direction because mm-hmm. if, if that hadn't have happened, I probably, I still didn't like that school, but I probably would have stayed there and changed majors, right. but that's how I ended up going to the school where I ended up doing toy design. So right. I'm not saying like, thanks bro, you know, for raping me, but it, I think that have that you, experience really changed my life in ways that like I grew so much as a person mm-hmm. and it is really sad to see, but I, I have lots of friends who, um, they have grown from their experience, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as easy for them and you know, they, gone through such depression and it has been something that defines them but I think that you have to remember that it's it's a decision that somebody else made and you almost don't have anything to do with that that's mm. their shit that's right. their that doesn't define me that was your choice not right. mine okay so in that situation like uh, again like reporting rape and kind of talking about mm-hmm. it did you go to the police did you can we talk no. a bit no. Did you ever go to anybody to? Well, like I said, I didn't. I don't think I realized I was raped for right. like two months. Right. And I was just in such a, a like a self-hating point. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we, it we, was talked about enough, like that that you can report rape and right. you know, um, the. And then the thing that infuriated me so much as I sort of had this idea like once I had moved past that for years mm-hmm. that oh I've had my rape now I've gone through that mm-hmm. it won't happen to me again right and then it did and so I, I sort of almost felt bulletproof right you know I've had the one rape we're good and um, now that I've had my second rape like now there is this fear in me all the time it's it's a it's not even a will I be raped a third time it's like it's probably going to happen because, but at the same time, I don't like to live my life 
feeling like I can't go to a bar, you right. know, or I can't walk home, or there's certain things that you should do absolutely to protect yourself, but I'm not going to, you know, shut down so many things just because there's that fear of it happening again. Right, um, okay, so... Um, it'd be like not driving a car because you might have a car accident. Right. You, like, you're still going to drive your car. So, uh, you, you want to talk about the second time? How do you... Um, yeah, so the second time I think was even more frustrating because um, I was I was in my hometown, mm -hmm. I was like visiting for a weekend, and I was with one of my best friends, and one of his friends was um, uh, having a going away party, mm -hmm. and he was going, he was working in Midland, Texas, as an, uh, I think a sports anchor, and mm -hmm. was going to be moving to Dallas, Texas, and was going to be a sports anchor for one of the major mm -hmm. TV channels. Mm -hmm. I don't. I've tried to look him up and see if he's still out there and you know right. reporting on the news. Um, but that situation, um, yeah, we were all having drinks and we like had made out a little bit in that night. And I, I was pretty drunk, you know. Again, just with right. my friends, and we all went back to a party at his place. Mm -hmm. And the I don't remember what happened next but I suddenly was in his room and he was pushing me down on the bed mm -hmm. and was trying to pull my pants off and I was like I, I was saying like no I'm too drunk I'm too drunk and he just like wouldn't listen and you know then, continued to rape me and right. then at some point like I stumbled off the bed and was trying to pull my pants up and he just kind of like laughed and I think he's like honestly didn't even realize what he was doing right. it, it wasn't this like forceful like press your head it, it was like right, this right. drunken mess of like right. I want to fuck you right now so that's what I'm gonna do right sort of situation and I stumbled out of the bathroom and had the or not the bathroom of the bedroom you know and I, I looked like a total mess and I think I was in the process of starting to cry mm -hmm. and told my friends like we have to leave we have to go and then just like went home and again di like didn't even process that I had been raped and like was just trying to make myself throw up and just because I felt so right. horrible about everything that had happened um, and yeah so it, this was somebody who was a friend of a friend right. not even not even realizing that what he was doing was wrong right and I think that that's why there just needs to be more communication between men of like, if you see your guy friend, you know, hitting on a girl or touching right, her right, in a bar right. and he's a little too drunk, tell him like, hey dude, that's not cool. Right. Because there's so many guys who, who don't see that line, right, right, who right, don't right. see themselves as rapists. I don't even know, you know, I would ask them if mm -hmm. I could find them. Um, like, did, do you understand that you raped right. me? Do you, do you know that? Do you watch the news and go, oh, I'm a rapist, or right. do, you, do you recognize that at all? Right. So. I think also the situation here is like, there's that uh, element of like uh, toxic masculinity, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're like so macho, they're like, yeah, of course you want. Uh, right, you know, of course. Yeah, like, and, and it's like the ego thing. And I don't want to kind of go into that direction where like, uh, I want to bring in race to it, but I think it tends to be more kind of particular to like, white males yeah i don't know if that's the case both, both, both my rapists were white males yeah because I, I think like if you're from a different background i don't know if like immigrant immigrant background like if you're black background or whatever mm -hmm. you're like yo i gotta watch out because like you never know what's gonna happen you, you know mm -hmm. things can get swung and people have more fear what i'm saying right, say, right? right. and they, they tend to keep themselves more in check 
So perhaps maybe that's also kind of like a conversation should be had more in these particular contexts and communities, mm -hmm. right? Like, and there's such a, a culture that's mm -hmm. created through fraternities that just upsets Toxic. me so much. Yeah. yeah. And I, I watched so many women get pulled into situations that I look back on that. And I'm like, I, I don't think that was consensual. Like, mm. and, uh, and then it's, it was so, there was such a heartbreaking time where I was trying to like talk to my little brother about this, right. who is also in a fraternity and me trying to be like, if you see people behaving this way, like you may not see them actually raping somebody, but you'll see them touch somebody in a right. bar. You'll see certain kinds of behavior. And like, there was just this like, you know, look from my sibling of like, this conversation being too uncomfortable, right. you know? But like, we have to have this conversation. I No, I agree, I agree. It's, it's definitely something that, uh, and I think it also comes to like, if you go into the direction of like, the, the kind of like uh, alcohol consumption, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I've, I haven't gotten drunk for about like almost like 19 months now. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'm like, you know, I have a couple of you know beers here and there, one a month, one a week, twice a week. But mm -hmm. like I've, I've made it a perp made it a kind of like a goal to just stay within sober mentality mm -hmm. always, right? Because I don't yeah. want to, I don't like it when I lose. I basically, I had like a couple of blackouts, and I woke right. up with my knees full of blood, and I was like, "What the fuck happened?" I was like, "I wanna, yeah, I wanna <laughs> be, I wanna be that situation. Fun. Yeah, I wanna be in that situation where like I don't can't remember what happened, right? So I gotta self check. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also like you know, al alcohol is fucking terrible, right? Because people just abuse it. And I think it brings out the worst in people, but you also like that side of you is there. Like it, mm -hmm. if you're only groping or assaulting women when you're drunk, that's still you. Right. You're still doing that. Right. And I think that people just really need to take a look at themselves and be like, is this kind of behavior okay? Mm. I've been taught that this is how I approach women. This is right. how I touch women. But women are saying like, this is not what we want. This right. is not what you should be right. doing. And um, yeah, I think it really just comes down to communication. We need to be teaching kids how to better negotiate sex because right. We should be talking about, uh, and I've, I've had this one experience mm -hmm. where for a moment, I, it was like this breakthrough. Mm -hmm. So I um, had a, a brief relationship with a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And I was, I mean, honestly, I was so excited because I'm a bisexual woman. Right. I was like, a woman that has a dick? Like, this is the, the whole, greatest thing. This is the whole package. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was so excited right. to be hooking up with this person. Right, right. And I, I had this moment where... I started to kind of realize that some of the ways I was touching her, mm -hmm. sh she was responding negatively to. But I was still in my head, like I was just like, I'm right. so excited about this experience and to hook up. And then I finally got the cue that like me trying to to touch her penis was, was something very uncomfortable for her. Right. And then I had this realization of like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm being this guy who's not having a conversation right. about what's okay and you know how how we want to have sex and how we want to be touched and what feels good and what's comfortable right. and usually queer people are a lot better at talking about this kind of stuff up front and negotiating like mm -hmm. you know what you're interested in and i felt this just wave of like oh my god i'm, I'm, I'm that guy right. for a second you know and then i stopped and had that conversation with her like oh is that is that a part of your body right, that right. you are not comfortable with or don't want touched and you know she she because this 
is she's still not out to so many people. Right. This was still an experience for her that was hard to talk about. Right. But I also need to understand to have that conversation and we should all be having more open and honest conversations about sex. So we're not, men aren't just assuming that this is how we touch right. women. Because so. I think it's also like, uh, you know, you going back to the, the thing that you said about how, you know, this part of you is there. It's just mm -hmm. coming out of your trunk. It's about like, you know, why is there so much latent sexual frustration mm -hmm. in like, uh, you know, just generally young men, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that's a good question. Why is there? Because we don't talk about it. There's a lot of hormones lot of or like what's... You're, you're, you can't talk about your own emotions as men. Yeah. So like, how are you going to have these like open, honest, intimate conversations mm -hmm. about sex? I, I think that... Again, like I've said it so many times during this episode, but communication is just so important. Right. Having these conversations makes all the difference. Okay, and then you also use like the the term like hookup, right? Mm -hmm. Like how does that kind of come into the, for example, because a lot of guys, basically, you know, you have this kind of uh, perspective where you know, if a guy hooks up with a lot of girls, he's a stud, right? If a girl mm -hmm. hooks up with a lot of guys, then she's a whore, right? Mm -hmm. So in this situation, I think it's changing more and more now. I think yeah. basically with the rise of dating apps, I, I personally see it changing quite a lot. Yeah, I uh, mean, we've started to own the word slut, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a major slut and, and I, I love I, it. And I think like, uh, it's people like Amber Rose started up, started mm -hmm. up with, uh, you know, the, 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 she has the slut the walk. The slut walk, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think people are kind of, uh, and also the word hoe, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, hashtag, I'm such a hoe. I was kind of, I was kind of, I was kind of like, uh, I was like, okay, what's happening? Because I actually I have like a uh, younger sister, mm -hmm. uh, so she's just turning eighteen now. Yeah, <laughs> she's posting some of the stuff on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, how do I, what do I, how do I feel about this? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I mean, it's, you know, your body, your choice. Yeah. But it's still kind of a weird sort of situation. It's a it's a weird thing, but I think that if you were to try to have conversations about right. sex with your sister you would find that it's a lot less weird and awkward. Not right. necessarily that you're talking about like, oh, hey, sis, what's your favorite position? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. more just about like sexuality as a whole. And I, I, mean, I think I'm, we just need to normalize this. I, I agree. And I think even more, I'm even more kind of like inclined to do this now because like you said, mm -hmm. like hey, all your friends have been raped. Like what yeah. the fuck? That's like crazy. That's, that's an insane statement to like let out. Like what? Yeah. And I remember back when I was, uh, I remember the first time I moved to the UK, I remember I was on this bus. It was like my first experience in the in the. I just kind of like popped back in my mind. Mm -hmm. There was this. I was sitting at the back of the bus. It was like these two double decker buses, right? Mm -hmm. And there was this. Uh, you know, I just I was by myself because I just moved there. And mm -hmm. there was this two girls in front of me, and one of them I remember clearly. She's like this ginger girl, but the other one was like, "Oh, I can't believe I got raped last night." Like so casually, I'm like, "What the fuck did I just hear?" It's and then she was, and I was kind of like listening. I stopped my music as. Yeah. Like just because I wanted what the fuck's happening here and she was something similar she was saying like basically a situation where like this guy was like oh there's another party she's like yeah where's this other party yeah the party's like you know around my well then basically took her to a room and she woke up there in the morning mm -hmm. and uh, she was speaking quite casual about it but now that I think about it it's like what the fuck what clearly like because my mind was like how what yeah yeah it's I think I just think it's so important to tell people like I have been raped this right. this is Unfortunately, this has been normalized and it needs to not be. Like, right. And I got so, so furious 
Um, I was on a solo trip within Australia mm-hmm. when I was living there, and it was like one of my first times traveling alone. And I was mm-hmm. super excited, and I did not realize that I picked like the wrong destination to go to. But Where'd I picked. I went to the Gold Coast, and on the week of like spring break, wow, and so that. it was like just douche trashy douchebag guys who were all in uni. I was. Um, I had so many. I, I had somebody comment on like the what I was wearing on the street. I had men grab me. I had men like force me to sit down in a chair next to them, like to talk and like, yeah, hey, I want your attention. You know, I had a guy come and grope me in the right, ocean, right. Um, and then this was all two days before the Trump grab him by the pussy statement. Right. I had a guy. I was dancing with a bunch of friends that I had made on my night out, right. a bunch of girls, right. and somebody, I was wearing like a, just a shift dress, somebody, presumed, probably a dude, came up behind me and put his hand inside my underwear. And I turned around like to punch the person and they right. were already like taken off into the crowd. Um, and then the whole Trump grab him by the pussy statement came out and I just was on the phone with my parents like, just being like, this is why we have to talk about this because if we have a president where this is the norm, what is that saying to the rest of the this world? Is insane. Like that I, this is okay. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, this is all kind of... And so my family, you know, I'm on this solo trip here in Berlin. Right, right, right. My parents, you know, now know all of these things about my life and are honestly scared shitless. Right. Like, they were so nervous for me to be on a solo trip. Right. And, um... You know, my mom asked her, asked me to check in with her every day, and mm. but I, Berlin I, is a much more open-minded place. And like, yeah, I go to some of the the clubs and whatnot, but men don't touch me in these clubs the way that they touch you in the U.S. Right. Because I think that there there's just a little bit more understanding of sexuality with this country than the U.S. Yeah, has. I think people are a lot more uh, aware here as well of like boundaries. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's, it's, I can't really put my, I mean, Berlin is also a very different city within the context of Germany, because it's not like that everywhere, right? Right, absolutely. And it's obviously, you know, coming from Eastern Europe, and I can tell you it's not like that there either, right? Yeah. It's still a lot of these conversations. Only, like, I think in terms of uh, openness, Eastern Europe is slowly kind of just now moving towards accepting that, you know, the, the whole kind of uh, gay movement, not mm-hmm. gay movement, it's not a movement, right? Just the, yeah. the, the concept of, 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 right. of, of gayness, right? Uh, and I don't think it's gone yet into like this this other er- direction of LGBTQ plus, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's definitely it's slowly this progress, you know. Like I remember like back in the day in, in and this sounds insane, like you know when when the gay pride just happened back in Romania, it's like early two thousands. The church would have like a normality parade, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was like priests, like what the fuck's happening? <laughs> uh, so you know things have definitely changed loads since then, mm-hmm. and there is slow progress, but there is progress, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, Berlin is obviously one of the most progressive cities from, from the perspective of sexuality in the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully you can... Yeah, but it's still wild that, like, Has anything Germany just legalized gay marriage two years ago, you know? Like, we, we are absolutely making progress, and we are raising our voices and having these conversations, but at the same time, the other side is also raising their voice, and, and they're winning mm-hmm. those fights with things like Brexit and Trump and... 
but that's why it's so important. Like, yeah, you still have to come out right. in 2019 because I mean, it's also still gay like, bashings and rape and, you know. And like I was telling you, like, I've only come, uh, and this is as part of my kind of education journey, I only, I only became aware of the term cisgender male mm-hmm. recently, right? Because I wasn't aware. Yeah. You know? And then for those of you that don't know, it's basically just I'm a, I, I self-identify as the, the sex that I was born, right? Yeah. Uh, That's the cisgender part of it, yeah. Yeah, because then, like, if you call somebody normal, then uh, if you call yourself normal, then you're saying the other people are wrong, right? Mm, mm-hmm. So it's uh, and I was like, okay, that makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, has anything weird happened in Berlin so far, or it's been very? Um, no, this has been the most magical trip. Of consensual, my whole life. very happy, very. very yeah, right. I've I've met such wonderful people. I've had wonderful ex- sexual experiences mm-hmm. with some very lovely individuals and. Um, Nope, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, <hey. laughs> but but it's, it's been wonderful. People are so open to communication. And I, I guess also, like, I'm seeking out these, because I'm older and much well-versed now right. that I'm traveling, like, I'm seeking out these places where I'm meeting these people. Right, right, right. I'm not going to, like, your basic bars and clubs. Like, right. I'm, I'm going to the gay bars. Right, I'm going right, right, right. to the, the kink or fetish bars and and meeting people through that who are already so open-minded. Right, so. and did you plan to come here on Pride Weekend? Uh, I did not, I happy accident. That's a so, bonus, yeah. Yeah, and I've met some just wonderful people that I'm going to the parade with tomorrow. So I think there's a lot of people flocking into Berlin now for the weekend for this particular yeah, event. Yeah. There was a couple of people on the train last night as well mm-hmm. that I just overheard them. I've had a. I listen to a lot of people on the train. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a gay as hell summer. I've been to. I walked with, um, with Disney for the Long Beach Pride Parade, okay. and then I also went to Los Angeles Pride. I was in New York Pride, mm-hmm. seeing one of my best friends and meeting his partner for the first time. And so when I found out I was going to be in Berlin for Pride, I was like, oh hell yeah! Like I'm right. absolutely going to this parade and. And then I got to go to that poly meetup, so I've met all kinds of like really cool queer poly people, and um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, what can I say? I think what can I just thank you very much for sharing all this information, like helping us learn a bit more, and just kind of like being so open about your experiences, right? Yeah. And hopefully this will help other people learn a bit more about and come to terms with like you know let's say especially this experience of rape, right? You just mm-hmm. talk about it. Uh, one thing that I do want to ask you about, like, have you ever considered going back and pressing charges against these men? Um, I've thought about it, but honestly, the amount of time Mm. that it would take up, like, I have so much to do with my life Mm. that I don't have time to go back into something that's probably not going to go anywhere because there's no, there's no evidence there, you know, there wasn't a rape kit done after, like, and it's the kind of thing that if it were to happen again, Mm -hmm. I would press charges. If there was, if there was a third rape. I would, but going back and taking up so much of my life, it's not worth so that. So what advice, you know, you've been through these two situations now, what advice would you have for people that, let's say, experienced this in a recent event? I think just reaching out to your friends and family first and talking about your experience, like understanding that there are so many resources, mm-hmm. even if you don't fully know if you've been raped or if it was just a sexual assault, like reach out to those people. There's also so many wonderful counselors and hotlines that you can call Mm -hmm. and start having these conversations. Again, I think it's just like the first place to start is talking about it. 
so that you can begin working through those things. Because there's so many people who um, keep it bottled up. And I think that that usually leads to so many other problems that grow within you mm. when you internalize all those things. Right. So. Okay, well, and to people that want to experience uh, polyamory, yeah. Is there anywhere they can learn more about it? Or is there like a community? Is there like a YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah. Oh so my like, gosh. Let's, yeah, let's get some educational so, <laughs> links out there. There are so many wonderful sex educators out there. Right. My, my favorite of all time is Zoe Ligon. Um, she is, I think she's 26 or 27. She's based out of Detroit. And she does a series called Sex Stuff on um, YouTube. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. You should look it up. Um, she also just started a podcast called Hot Brain with mm -hmm. her and her partner, and people write, you know, questions through email or call in, and they talk about all different facets of sexuality and communication and um, sex. Just yeah, uh, there's another, and they're hilarious. Mm -hmm. They're such a fun, entertaining podcast mm -hmm. to listen to. Another really great resource that has been so valuable in my life that has been like my poly role models mm -hmm. have been um, the Multi Amory podcast and the uh, Swing Set family of podcasts. Um, their, their podcasts have fantastic content. It's really dense and a lot of the time I'll come out of listening to one of those podcasts and like needing to unpack mm -hmm. things in my life, but I've always found it so educational. Um, they, um, they also hit on stuff that is just about relationships and communication as a whole. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just multi-amory. It's, um, it's just how to like strengthen even your friendships. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very valuable tool. So right. that's where I would suggest people to go or like seek out your local polyamory meetups. Even, and like they're so welcoming. Mm -hmm. If you're just even interested in it, you're generally welcome to mm. stop by and just have conversations with people. So uh, we're kind of running out of time, but I do want to touch on this. What happens, let's say, if you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing about all these things, but you're in a small city, mm -hmm. a small conservative community, like mm -hmm. what do you do then? Do you move out? Do you start <laughs> well, your own meetup? You know, because again, like the stigma comes in these I know, small communities, I know. right? This is um, I, well, because of the internet, there's so many resources where you can still reach out. There's even really cool, so like the Multi-Amory podcast mm -hmm. has like a Skype discussion group. So mm -hmm. you can pay, I think it's like $7 a month and you get access to this whole community. Mm -hmm. And so you can talk to people. And um, I, sure, I think it's gonna be harder to meet people that mm -hmm. share your same interests, but um, that's not to say that you won't find other people who mm -hmm just like haven't had that idea yet. Right, because one thing that I always want to stay conscious of, like, you know, myself living in Berlin, yourself mm -hmm. living in LA, we're quite fortunate to be in this, you know, yeah, situation. The majority are. of the world lives in communities that are still somewhat conservative and small mm -hmm. cities. So in that situation, I guess it's, uh, you know, up to you to first kind of like reach out and learn more, connect with the global communities. Mm -hmm. And it might be scary, but why not try to start a small community in your city? Yeah. You know? Who knows what's gonna come up? Right, you, yeah, you really never know. And it, I think that, again, just like having more and more awareness of this kind of thing um, is what changes the world. So. Yeah, so 
Thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Yeah. Definitely Labrador energy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me twice. This has been a really no, and I think experience. it's been very educational. I personally kind of like you know feel like I've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, happy Pride weekend. Thank you. Okay. I hope to see you at the parade. Yeah. Thank you very much. Actually, one more thing before we go, uh, Molly wanted to recommend another podcast for those that have uh, ever experiencing or currently have had some form of any rape associated type of um, experiences. Yeah. So um, there's a podcast called The Heart uh, by Caitlin Crest, and it, it has a wonderful series called No. It's a mini series of three or four episodes. Um, it was actually picked up and featured on Radio Lab too, which is you know one of the big podcasts mm -hmm. out there. And her talking about her experiences um, was just so valuable for me and understanding even my own experience. So. And uh, they also have a psychologist come on in their last episode and talk um, as a group with the women. And so, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Um, okay, so love. I'm sorry, no. Oh, the heart. The, the heart. heart. What, what am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> well, love and the heart go hand in hand. So. Gotcha. Okay, thanks a lot for that. And I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Labrador Energy Podcast. This is uh, Dragosh. I wanted to let you know that you can sign up for my mailing list in order to get updates from me at dragoshcomedy.com. Just go there, put your name, your email, and I will send you updates whenever I'm up to new podcasts, new shows, or in, in your area. You can also find me on Instagram at dragoshcomedy or Facebook Dragosh Christian Comedy. Thanks a lot, and uh, catch you guys in the next podcast. <laughs>